0: This is Episode 4 of the Inner Game of Aging Podcast.
1: Welcome to the Inner Game of Aging Podcast, helping you to discover how to be older without growing old. And here's your host, turning this whole idea of aging upside down, Lee Moat.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 4 of the Inner Game of Aging Podcast. You know, the longer we live, the more knowledgeable about life patterns we accumulate. The simple wisdom, insights, and understandings that reside with our elders represent a tremendous untapped resource in our culture. This legacy of experience holds solutions to many of our societal concerns, if we could just hear it from their perspectives. During our journey on this podcast series, we will sometimes engage the elders amongst us to encourage them to share their valuable and timeless insights. And today, I am speaking with Joe Goodman, who will reach 90 years old in early 2017. He insists that I express his age as 89+. plus. And Joe is a good-humored, spry, and witty example of the value we could all gain from engaging our elders in these types of discussions. In this chat, you will hear Joe express his experiences with immigrant parents, a child dying, multiple divorces, his 12 siblings getting along with them, his service in the military, and other formative events of his life. You'll also hear a hint, just a hint of the outlook that keeps Joe moving forward and keeps him him singing. I believe you will find this discussion just as entertaining and inspiring as I did. So let's step into the conversation that is already in progress.
1: Once upon a time... When we were younger older than when Hello Mike, how are you doing? (laughs) This is gonna get in the way of me seeing you, but Well I think we can talk without looking each other in the eyes.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm not as good looking as you are anyway, so (laughs) you are how old? How old are you?
1: Uh, no different than the last time we met, except I'm a week older. A week older. Eighty-nine plus.
0: Eighty-nine plus. So you've been around for you've been around the block a few, a few times, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to speak with you. You have seen things in your life, and have developed thoughts, have experiences, and basically collected all this wisdom for eighty-nine years old that I just wanted to chat and see how you felt about certain topics. Because I run around and I see my friends, how they feel about certain topics. I run around and I see the younger people, how they feel about certain topics. But you've experienced much more than most of the people I know have. So I wanted to chat with you a bit. We're speaking to Joe Goodman, who is a very vibrant 89-year-old who has an excellent singing voice, and I'm sure you'll see samples of that throughout our conversation here today.
1: Yeah, I would uh, reclassify that, to Good. Good? Not exceptional. I have a good singing voice. And by the way... You in, should hear the ones who are great.
0: At your age, the ones that are great, I think you have an excellent singing voice for your age. And so... But it's interesting, I say, I have a, you have an excellent singing voice for your age, but age is used to define a lot. You know, what sort of voice should an 89-year-old have? When you sing, you don't sound like an 89-year-old. You don't, you know, it, I would never guess that an 89-year-old is singing. You know, the voice is strong.
1: Well, that is kind. Thank <laughs>
0: you. I would never, I would never guess that, so. So, the questions I wanted to ask, explore how your thought about life and living has changed over the years. I, this podcast, The Inner Game of Aging, explores the issues that are connected to getting older and older and older. And so, for example, your thoughts on money. When you started out as a young man, you felt one way about money. Now, at this point, you felt another way. Your thoughts on family, how have they changed over the years? Your thoughts on success. So I'd like to go down each of these avenues with you and sort of have you tell me the experiences that you've had that have changed your thoughts on what these things are. Let's start off with family. How old were you when you had your first child?
1: He gets <laughs> he gets. my first child was born when I was a sophomore at the University of New Hampshire, and it was an exciting time. unfortunately, he lived he didn't live, he survived for only about thirty days, huh. Ah.
0: So your first he child had
1: something called peridonitis that brought his life to an end.
0: Hmm. What was your reaction to that? Do you remember your reaction to oh, that? Oh, I do
1: recall. I was taking a exam an hour exam in sociology mm-hmm. and a person came in, went to the instructor, professor, and said, I need to speak with Mr. Joseph Goodman. So, he said, the Dean of Men wants to see you at the administration building immediately. So, I told the instructor that I had to leave. And I said, what are we doing about this? I'm taking a test that's important and arriving at a grading for me. Mm -hmm. And he says, if the Dean of Men wants you, you better go and we'll work something out later. Well... I went to the Dean of Men and was given the message that I better go home to Lebanon where my wife was with her mother and father. And I went home and we buried my son.
0: Mm.
1: And uh, it was a difficult time, but being young, and at that time I was probably 20. Mm-hmm. I overcame it. So so then we had a second child. How long a year after the first and a half later. Okay. And he was fruitful. Okay. Good ideas, sensitive, willing worker, a loving son.
0: Now so that's those are your first two children. What are your ideas on family? You started a family when you were 20.
1: My ideas on family revolve around the fact that I'm the 10th one in a family of 13.
0: 13? You had 13 siblings? My
1: parents had 13 of us.
0: Wow, that's a large family. It is. Was it for that time when you were younger, was that considered a large family at that time? By all
1: means. My parents came from Russia. Russia. They landed at Ellis Island and came up to Boston where they had some family. That's where they met. Mm -hmm. Fell in love and then decided to go to New Hampshire. By that time, my mother was pregnant with the third one. And my dad came up, and he and Mom settled in Springfield, New Hampshire, which is a town as big as the number of people we could put in this building. And uh, my dad used to walk eight miles to go to work. And 8 miles after putting a day or 10 or 12 hours in in the woolen factory back home.
0: Well, hold on. This is New Hampshire. This is in
1: northern New Hampshire, about 100 miles from here. But you
0: can easily walk that, if you have enough time, in the summer or spring. In the wintertime, too, he would walk that distance?
1: 12 months a year. Until the time came when someone who was in the scrap yard business you know he bought rags and, and and metals and iron and junk cars and all that sort of thing he sold his business to my father and that's the business my dad was in his name was Benny Goodman like the famous band yeah league. yeah people would say The band leader? I said, well, Dad had his own band. He and my mother had 13 of us, so he had a built-in band.
0: So you grew up with 13 siblings. I
1: did. So we quickly learned to share. We quickly learned that money was not an easy commodity to come by. So all of that influenced my thought. and It was a time of the Great Depression. Mm Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was, I, well, I was 13 when World War Two, World War Two began. Okay. In the Holocaust.
0: The Holocaust, that's right. And
1: people that I knew who grew up on the street getting killed, fighting the war, everyone from air pilots of fighter planes to mm-hmm. soldiers fighting on the ground, and sailors fighting on the sea. Hmm.
0: You didn't go into the military, did you?
1: I had four brothers who were in the the military, and when I was a junior in high school in 1944, I joined the Navy. So I didn't finish high school. My parents were not happy about that. But I felt the job had to be done, and I wanted to be part of doing the job and making it a better world for all of us. And much to my chagrin, it never happened.
0: What didn't happen? The world didn't get better?
1: <laughs> no. It just might have improved as far as uh, technology. And yep. Uh, better things to have, but it didn't improve. Hmm. You know what the problems are. Yes, There's I do. The racial problems. And you look here at the city of Nashville in the year 2016. You come into this senior center and you don't see one tan face, one black face. That's right. And I say, what the hell is going on? I've been a member here for five years trying to make it happen. Interesting. Interesting. And it's a battle.
0: It is a battle. That sends us in a whole different arc of our conversation that I want to save later on. But you, even in this current environment, you recognize the uncomfortable purity or lack of diversity.
1: You recognize that? That's interesting. It was so clear, how could I not? When I was in the Navy, I was sent to the Philippine Islands. And in the Philippines, we'd fill trash buckets with food that was left over after breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And the people who lived in the town where the base was would come and they would actually take out what we called trash mm-hmm. we had pallets and pallets you know the pallets yes is? I do okay a pallet holds whatever you want to put on it mm-hmm. so we had pallets of food stacked higher than this ceiling canned peaches canned pears canned tomatoes canned string beans canned peas uh, this was trash canned pineapple no this was sitting in the yard Idle. Hmm. So if we wanted some grapefruit juice or some tomato juice, we had to steal, I say steal a can and smuggle it to the barracks where we would open it with the bolo knife that we were given. Uh-huh. In the event we needed to chop some grass or brush out of the way. Interesting. Yeah, so And another fellow and I went to see the chaplain. To talk about this. The officers were talk about wedding like they were home.
0: Talk about, you went to see the chaplain Talking to talk about... about
1: meal time ah. in the Philippines. And instead of throwing the trash out, why can't we take it and divide it by the item it is and call in the local people and say, if you'd like this, you can have it. Interesting. But they didn't want to do that. Because they couldn't order more things to come in to get unloaded from ships unless it got used.
0: When you saw that, what was your internal reaction to that?
1: Stupid. (laughs) Yes. And then at the end of the war, and we were buttoning things up, closing them down, they took all the trucks that the drivers used to use 24 hours a day on loading ships and dumped them in the ocean instead of saying to the people who lived on the island, look, here are the vehicles. If you want them, they're yours.
0: That's just waste.
1: It's worse than waste. It's gross. Yes.
0: had 13 siblings uh can you break that down between brothers and sisters how many boys how many girls
1: yeah of course i can (laughs) that's like asking me if i want to have dinner
0: (laughs) of course you do (laughs) how many brothers and sisters five girls five girls now did the um did the remaining boys did they all work in your father's
1: business until they left high school ah
0: okay so.
1: Then on to college. On then to college. Got little better paying jobs, you mm-hmm. know, as a uh, bellhop in mm-hmm. summer resorts in northern New Hampshire, night clerk. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's about it.
0: So now, what what number were you out of the Number 13, 10. You were number 10, so you were one of the youngest.
1: So I used to get beat up, batted around, sweep the floor hang out the clothes, get the clothes off the (laughs) clothesline. No dryers in those days.
0: How did you feel about your brothers and sisters growing up? Were they competition? Were they support? Were they, you know, how did you feel? I
1: uh, had one brother that I didn't particularly get along with because Mm -hmm. I didn't like his views.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: I didn't finish. I went for three. I had 122 credits out of 128 that you need oh. to graduate.
0: Oh, geez, so close. But I had
1: to make a choice. And we talked about choices the last time. The That's right. The choice was I have a wife and a son. I've got to get my fanny in gear and go to work. So my brother Harry, who had been a commander in the Navy, tried to get me to join the Navy Reserve. And I had just under two years in the Navy. And I said, Harry, I was in the Navy long enough. I don't believe in the military way of life, and Mm -hmm. I don't want to go into the Reserves. I won't go into the Reserves. Mm -hmm. So I did go to work for the company that my brother owned. Your parents had... 13 kids. How many kids did you have? I have three. You have three. My current wife and I have been married in in two months. It'll be 44 years.
0: 44 years for your current wife? Is this your second marriage?
1: It's my third
0: wife. Your third marriage. Okay. I
1: met a very wealthy woman when I was an available guy after my first divorce. Mm Mm-hmm. And she and I became infatuated with each other. And I used to drive to New York every Friday afternoon and come home late every Sunday or early, early Monday morning. How and old she were was you? Loaded with money. Ah. But I did not like her way of living.
0: What What bothered you about her way of
1: living? She uh, was a monopolist she believed in, I'll take all the money I can get. Mm. She used to work with people who manufactured designer dresses in Mm -hmm. Manhattan. And they would, instead of giving an extra two to four inches of cloth on every good dress that they made, they would cut it short and have enough material to make a dress that she could sell for over a $1,000 that, people, if they bought it at Saks Fifth Avenue or Bergdorf Goodman, would have to pay $2,500. Hmm. So she had an inner circle of clients and had the contacts with the people who made the fabric, and she would buy it for, say she'd give them $300, hmm. and then she'd sell it for 1200
0: Wow, that's quite a markup.
1: So she had quite a bit of, well, it's... Uh, Thievery, so else, why stop?
0: <laughs> I was being polite when I called it quite a bit of mock up, but yes. So like at
1: any rate, uh, one night she was up in Manchester where I had just bought a nice home, as I had at that time my own business going. Mm-hmm. And uh, we we're having dinner and a drink, and I looked at her and I said, I think the time has come for us to break this off. You go your way, I'll go my way. And if I feel like seeing you, I'll call you. And if you want to see me, we'll find a way to get together. And that's it. Mm-hmm. So she began screaming. And I had just sold that restaurant. All the new carpeting, so the waitresses, waiter, uh-huh. owner, all knew me. Uh-huh. So I walked into the kitchen. She suddenly came into the kitchen. And told him, now he wants to get rid of me. He wants to throw me away. And, uh, <laughs> then she clawed my face with her long nails. I mean, really, wow. claws. Then she kicked me where a man should never <laughs> be kicked with her knee. Uh-huh. And then I tried to push her away, and she grabbed my hand, put the finger in her mouth, and bit Biddy. down on my finger until it bled. And I felt like really hitting her. Of course. So I tried to open her jaw with my free hand and I finally did, and then I grabbed my hand and it came around like this and I was going to do it. And then the better me said, Don't do it.
0: It must have been hard to find the better you under that circumstance.
1: Well, I found it.
0: How old were and you by when the time?
1: Got, I brought her home, left her. Then I went to my office, and I called my attorney at his home and said, I need a divorce as fast as you can get it.
0: At this point, how long were you and she together? A year. Just one year? Yeah. Okay.
1: Interesting. You know, we used to walk down the street in Manhattan, and it's not unusual there to have a derelict who's been drinking whatever or drugs whatever Absolutely. laid out on the street and I take her hand to pull her around she said no I believe we just walk on t- and over the people of this time. interesting well that's just a minor example
0: yeah I'm just I can sometimes I and myself sometimes
1: operas up- and ballet and out for dinner and it was You know, it was an idyllic life. Yeah. When that was on
0: What does success look like to you? What is... If you were to call someone
1: success... What what utopia is? Utopia? What is utopia for you? Well, that, that to me would be, you know... I believe in the United Nations. I believe in a one-world concept so that people don't have to say, well, that country which abuts us and we're powerful and they're not, it's got a lot of copper in the ground and we can really get a lot of money in our treasury if we go after that copper. Let's go after it.
0: Hmm. You know, the more I'm speaking to you, the more you seem like the original rebel, because you seem to, and the army, you took a stand against trash. You know, even with this woman, you wanted, you noted how she was for herself, not for others. You're talking about country boundaries, how we should all be one world. These thoughts are what I was accustomed to from the 60s. But you, you date well earlier than the 60s it's just interesting hearing you talk. You're the original hippie. <laughs> mm. That's what it's that's what it's so I had now. some
1: great professors when I was at UNH. Uh
0: huh.
1: I had a guy who named John Holden who was a government professor.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh you know, he used to go to India, for example, on a sabbatical while I was a student there and told of his adventures there, mm-hmm. how one sect does not like another sect even though they're next-door neighbors, mm-hmm. and how they would hang someone from the opposite sect from a tree.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And here in America, we know, pardon me, the good Lord will, God no different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, here we are in the is 2016. And to me, that's fabulous, fantastic. And then this year, particularly year, we should be aware of the fact that we're poisoning the atmosphere. Wow. Several days ago, there's an article in the paper that the carbon distribution is growing in this area that we live in
0: that's right yeah and that's that's a problem i'm becoming more sensitive to myself like how do you feel about all the technology that's risen up all of a sudden what is what does that look like to you
1: the way things are happening with it, the way it looks to me, is we haven't even gotten uh, to first base yet.
0: Interesting, interesting. Do you feel the innovation that's happening? Can you, Is it positive innovation? I'm
1: not living okay. with it, so I don't feel it, okay. but I see it.
0: Okay. Is this a good thing, bad thing, or it can be, you know...
1: Hey, life is made to change. Uh, Good, I like that. The body changes. We talk about life being 89, you being 66. Mm -hmm. Life changes. That's right. Things change. Plants grow, they die. That's right. George Washington lived, he died. That's right. Abraham Lincoln lived, he unfortunately was... I went to the house and was in the room where he died in Washington. Okay. Oh, (laughs) I still feel it.
0: Do you really, you know. So with technology, you know, supporting our existence these days, it gives us so much more power to make arrangements. In fact, the world has become smaller because of the internet and things of that sort. We can connect yeah, in, with in people. In our
1: imagination, it's smaller.
0: In our imagination, it's small. Can you explain that, please? Yeah.
1: Well, we're a long way from Tipperary, you know. Okay. They used to sing that song, I think, during World War One, when we were Lonely. kids in elementary uh-huh. school. Uh-huh. We used to sing songs like, it's a long way to Tipperary. Yeah, yeah. That's the guys from Ireland. Okay. You
0: know? <laughs> and, uh, so, but as, has it made the, us to connect, has technology made us able to connect to people more, or... Yeah. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Are we heading to a destruction?
1: Let let me counter with the question to you. Sure. Do you see any great changes that have happened among the people living on this earth that we frequent?
0: That's an interesting question. And you're going to flip the tables, and that's very good. I see people are the same as they've been for thousands of years. But what people are being taught today is very different than what they're being taught 300, 400 years ago. We are out of survival and into other things. 300, 400 years ago, we were more connected to our survival instincts. Now we have to be more connected to our thriving instincts. Our, our chore now is to thrive more than survive. Is that a statement that you, you know... How do you feel about that statement? Thriving versus surviving.
1: I think the few are taking over and the many are going to be more like peons and they're going to be of equal.
0: So that's that's an important point you made. You say the few are taking over. Is this... In a global sense or in, in this country?
1: No, it's happening well, I don't know what's happening in Nigeria, but it's not good. Or That's right. Kenya. Mm-hmm. Or the Philippines. hmm Or Malaysia. Or China with this couple of billion people. So you have a sense that what's going power. on there? Yes. And now the United States, because we got to keep the munitions makers and the plane makers happy and keep the army big, mm-hmm. is moving into new bases in the Philippines and uh, saying to China, you're not going to expand without interfering with what we're trying to do, mm. which is no more than Keeping control and power over the countries that China wants to take over. Hmm. So the next every 1984 by George Orwell. Yes, yes. Well, who's our pal in 1944, Russia? Hmm. And who did we spend trillions and trillions of dollars to build missiles and atomic weapons? If Russia would build a thousand, we'd build fifteen hundred. We build fifteen hundred, they do another two thousand. Then we say we'll have three thousand more than them by making four thousand now. Hmm. And that's what it's all about.
0: But that doesn't matter. Power.
1: Power. Power means money. Money means satisfaction for those who get it. Hmm. Interesting. Look, one of my best friends, when I was a kid, we were born the same month in the same hospital. I called him about a month ago. We are among the survivors. And Roger lived in a mansion... Overlooking the town, what we call the common, mm-hmm. you know, which is where us common folk <laughs> Okay. And and uh, I began, we began playing together, but I soon noticed I went more often to his home than he came to mine. Uh-huh. And uh, they had what is called a carriage house. Ah yes. You know, a pair of doors like a two car garage, yeah. we built more like a house, mm-hmm. like a Dutch style home with mm-hmm. a funny fancy roof. Uh, we used to play in there in the bad weather. Mm-hmm. Then uh, by the time I was 15, my best friend was Dick Clark. He was 16. Roger Wood, he was my age because we were born the same month, same Mm -hmm. year. And they had a... Mrs. Wood called us in for a meeting and said, you're going to spend two weeks at our cottage in Ayerscliffe, Canada, which is in the province of Quebec. Mm -hmm. So uh, the three of us rode up together and Roger was evidently driven up by their chauffeur and they had a two car garage there that had servants' quarters overhead because they also had a maid. Uh huh. Maid Marion, actually her name was Marion, and like Robin Hood. Yeah, you know.
0: yeah, I got that.
1: And, and uh, anyway, up we went, we find a cottage with four bedrooms, plus two bedrooms over the two car garage in a boathouse with a sailboat a rowboat, a canoe and a motorboat so hmm. they had to be pretty big hmm. and of course their own shorelands so they could have their own beach and, hmm. and not be troubled by the people who lived in the Cliff who wanted to swim in their way yeah. <laughs> uh, I went there for dinner it might have been 10 and I sat down at the table and and Aunt was there, his sister Ellen, Roger's sister Eleanor, his mother, his father had passed away, and Roger and myself. so there were two knives, two spoons, and three forks and in my house, you did well to get a fork and then <laughs> we'd have, pass the knife, please. <laughs> Interesting. But we always had food. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. we can't like that. <laughs> One day I was hitchhiking to go to a Dartmouth football game. They let the poor guys come in at halftime free. You could take mm-hmm. whatever seat. So I'm out there hitchhiking. The chauffeur-driven limousine stops and picks me up. <laughs> and it's uh, Roger and his mother going to the football game. Wow. And uh, Mrs. Wood would invariably say, Joe, if you'd like, meet us at the car after the game, and we'll be pleased to drop you off at your home.
0: They were well to do, apparently.
1: So I've seen life from both sides now. (laughs) You know, I feel a hair. Yeah. No, oh, um, I don't you know. feel that I've been deprived of anything. I've got love from my mother, and care from my father, and, mm-hmm. uh, brothers and sisters. Growing up would say, if you get a problem doing that particular homework, come talk to me, and I'll help you. Okay. Interesting. So who can ask for anything more? Well, who can? ask Well, for now, anything and here goes a question more.
0: for you. Here goes a question. You may have to give this one a little bit of thought. You are 89 years old. From, during your life, reaching this point, what is the thing that has surprised you the most about aging, about growing older? What is the thing that has surprised you the most?
1: Well, I still dream.
0: You still dream. Oh, you're I better do. than me. <laughs> I
1: do. And I did dream.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And, uh... I have an occasional ache or
0: pain. You have an occasional ache or pain? Yeah, I'm 66. I, I have aches and pains I'm, all the time.
1: I'm kind of, uh, you know, what is it? Mm-hmm. What is this thing <laughs> called pain? <laughs> this ugly thing. So it doesn't bother me.
0: Yeah, that's, that's the thing. What I'm finding, maybe you can help me with this one, Joe. I'm finding that the older we get the less we mind our aging bodies. I thought I would mind being 66 so much more than I do. When I was 30, I don't want to be 66. Now that I'm 66, I don't mind being 66 at all. You know, the older I get, the less I mind what's happening to my body.
1: How do you You feel about that? Because you... Without any great effort on your part or even realizing it on my part is how I've analyzed it. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm glad to be here. That's right. The
0: most important thing is being here. When
1: people call, is that you, Joe? And I say, hold on, I'll go to the mirror and make sure. <laughs> <it is." laughs> you know, I make the light of things. That's
0: right, that's right. And so, um, but you seem to be engaging people quite a bit. You seem to be a very strong people person. Have you always been that way?
1: I can't remember when I wasn't. Mm -hmm. No matter what grade I was in. By the time I reached grade 10, as a matter of fact, I was uh, elected to the student council Mm -hmm. and became class president. Hmm. And... uh, then I became head of the student council, and we have what they call a uh, student association. Mm-hmm. And everybody belonged to that, and I was elected president of that group. So it's sort of a automatic thing. Yeah,
0: you seem to be very gregarious. I can understand that. Now, there are others around you who... You have a very strong spirit that connects to other people, and I'm feeling that as we talk, but there are others around you who aren't as fortunate as you are in terms of the spirit that they carry into their lives. You know there are others around I you
1: possibly have, younger I have a feeling for those people I do what do you mean you have and a feeling know it because I'm always very openly friendly in the presence of others with them who are sort of isolated mm-hmm. from the crowd mm-hmm. at, at your age you must see a lot of
0: people who've sens- essentially disconnected their hearts the, from life the first woman who greeted me
1: when I walked in the door and uh Grace is her name mm-hmm. so I asked her what her name was when she said hello Mr. Goodman and I said, stop, Mr. Please. I think when people call me Mr. Goodman, I feel I've done something dramatically wrong, mm-hmm. and I'd like to correct it. And the way to correct it is have you call me Joe. Mm-hmm. So one time she happened to go to the same church whenever I go. Mm-hmm. Uh, she goes to that same church, so in her bulletin, they had my birthday list is for February birthday. So one time I came walking in, she was the person sitting at the entry desk. uh, Happy birthday, Joe. Another time she was ill and I said, let's send her a card or let's do something. And the woman who was then executive director before my, is this something we're gonna do for everybody who's sick? And I said, yeah, we should have a committee that reaches out to those who don't feel well. Call them up and let them know they're missed. Hmm. Send them a card and say, we miss seeing you and look forward to your returning soon. Just a little tidbit makes people feel good. Joe. So Grace said to me recently, Joe, everybody here loves you. That's right. I was going <laughs> to say that. I felt so magnificent. <laughs> <to hear that. laughs> Do you think that you are the typical 89-year-old? It's hard for me to answer for others. I have a different Well, you can only go by what your myself. experience is. You can only go now, by what you see. The guys that I sing and the women that I sing with who are in their 80s, they're not bothered by it. They come in whether they're feeling good or not because mm-hmm. they want to sing.
0: I still don't understand. Are you the typical 89 year old
1: that you see around you? That's why I have eyes and a mind.
0: You, have a, you seem to have a very sharp mind for it, you yeah. Know, I mean, this conversational and the stories you're telling, but I'm still asking the question do you feel that you are typical for an 89 year old? For example, I don't feel like I'm a typical citizen. I don't feel citizen.
1: any different than anyone else, so I guess that's as good an answer as any. Okay. So I am typical. I might express myself differently. Mm-hmm. I might go for a few more things than somebody else.
0: But there's nothing that makes no. you any different. Now, I want to ask you a somewhat negative question. I know we don't like to speak of negative stuff, but I wanted to understand your ideas, how you feel. You've been to a couple of divorces. How do you feel about
1: divorce? I think if you're a farmer and you're trying to till the soil and you're not doing it right, Need to Things aren't going well. Mm-hmm. And that's how I feel about a divorce.
0: One of the issues is, you know, there's a lot of divorce these days, and it's changed oh, over the years. Even more. Yeah, that's right. Now. When you were younger, the divorce was not as prevalent as it is now.
1: Yeah, My first thought with my first wife, really, I, I used to feel somewhat guilty, mm-hmm. because I felt that I wasn't capable of... Uh, Creating and maintaining this union of two people. Mm-hmm. I was disturbed by the attitude of her and her mother mm-hmm. over the illness that my first child had and, and passed away from, mm-hmm. and uh, that was distressing. Mm-hmm. And she had an attitude: "You are what you are; and you're never going to be anything different." Mm. It's something I totally disagree. Yeah, with. I disagree
0: with that too. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because, we're, as you said earlier, we're all changing, and many of us—so many of us—are changing for the better. We learn and we grow, and we become
1: different. Yeah, our middle name could be metamorphosis.
0: Exactly. And yeah, so, so, but now you—that was your first divorce. The concept of divorce, especially with divorce being so prevalent these days, you know, should people try harder? What's missing that's increasing the divorce? You know, how, why is divorce becoming so prevalent? From what well, you can how, see,
1: how hard did I try? We tried three different psychiatrists over a period of several years on a regular basis. Hmm. And we used to have an arrangement. We'd go in and he'd give me 20 minutes and spend 40 minutes with my wife. So one day after over a year with that gentleman, I said to him, or did ask the question, how long is this going to go on? Hmm. And he said it could go on for three more months, three more years, or forever. And I said, well, I have a message for you this morning. As of now, it's over. And it still didn't work. You know, she Mm -hmm. still liked to gallivant and drink and disappear for two or three days. And more than once on a Sunday afternoon, I'd come home at about three and find my wife drunk on the floor in the bathroom. Wow.
0: Yeah. It just was not... wasn't a good situation. Now, if I can keep you there for... Can you give me some thoughts, just some thoughts about your second divorce? Just some thoughts.
1: Let's face it, when you got money, you're a control for Yes, 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 yes. And as I said to people, if I could have been like a dog with a collar and a leash, Mm -hmm. uh, life would have been fine.
0: Hmm, hmm.
1: When I met my current wife, which will be 44 years, as I've told you, mm-hmm. I found a woman who thinks much the same way I do. She didn't object that I was spending all this time doing things in the community mm-hmm. and said to me more than once, if you just concentrated on your business, the way you do on the things that you do for free would be wealthy. Uh-huh. And I said, well, in my own way, I feel wealthy. Yes, yes. And she doesn't fight that.
0: that. That raises a question. Your parents came from Russia. They immigrated here. And they made a life here. Do you feel that those people who immigrate to the country have a better path or struggle more to reach a higher place than those people who are born here? Do you feel there's a difference between people coming here to find success and people born here to find
1: success? Do you feel there's a difference there? Really, the only difference that I've ever observed between the two is some are here and expect it to happen Hmm. because they are here. And when you're the novo and you're the new one that's arrived, you got to work hard to become part of a club that's equal to that.
0: So you're saying that people who come here, are they themselves expect to work hard to achieve, whereas those who are born here...
1: Like my dad and his father were the first two from his family to come to America and they had to work to make the money to bring back from Russia two sisters and I think it was four brothers Hmm. and my father worked his rump off taking care of his little family which was growing all the time quite quite prolific clearly Hmm. and uh, it's funny
0: I, I can't imagine growing up with so many brothers and sisters yeah, I grew up with. I'm an identical twin, and I have one younger brother and one younger sister. My sister died when she was 47. Um, my brother lives near me, and my my identical twin lives in Georgia. We don't speak with each other as much as we should speak to each other. Yeah, it's interesting to see how two identical twins can grow can grow distance between them. So I'm very curious as to why that's the case, so for to me, I'm impressed you know like you say it's very normal, but I don't see eighty nine year olds like you. The clarity of your mind, the things you are saying, the outlook that you have I don't see this every day, Joe you can say. It's the way everyone else should be or is around you. But I think when you have the outlook you have, you make the world look that way. So that wraps it for episode number four. I encourage you to explore the show notes for this episode where you can see a few pictures of this man. You can read about how I actually met him and review the information about the marvelous senior center they have in Nashua, New Hampshire. And you can find these show notes at innergameofaging.com forward slash podcast forward slash IGA004. There's more information coming your way, lots more, so hit subscribe on your podcast player to make sure that you don't miss any of it. So until next time.
1: Thanks for listening to the Inner Game of Aging podcast with Limo Watt. Check out more content by going to theinnergameofaging.com. That's theinnergameofaging, no spaces, dot com. Stay with us as we learn the many ways of being older without growing old.